0: Hi, and welcome to the Fem Factor Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Laura
1: and Dr. Nicole. This is a place for women just like you desiring to learn, be inspired and find community. We'll be discussing everything from health, longevity and aging to mindset, high performance and cycle syncing to intuition and healing physically, emotionally and spiritually all from a lens that is based both upon the latest
0: health research and feminine energetics. Blending equal parts scientific evidence and inner wisdom, we invite you to elevate your biology, empower your intuition, and embody your magic. Welcome back to the Fem Factor podcast. Nicole and I are so excited to introduce our guests today. We have Katie Moore and Orshi McNaughton, the hosts of the upcoming Women's Biohacking Conference here with us to share more about their story, the presence of women in biohacking and lots and lots of goodness. Katie and Orshi, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to chat with both of you, hear more about your stories and talk about the upcoming conference.
2: Thank you so much. I am delighted to be here and to be on, you know, such a fem forward podcast. When we're really, you know, hoping to inspire other women to kind of be part of this movement and journey with us, so we really appreciate it. Yes, I'm also super excited to be here and
3: can't
0: wait to dive into this conversation. Yeah, Nicole and I admittedly have a love hate relationship with the word biohacking, so we oh love bringing. <laughs> Exactly, we love bringing on female biohackers just to help kind of clear the air around mm-hmm. what this little corner of the wellness world is all about. Because we all know here that so many women can benefit from the tools, um, mm. but they get a little intimidated sometimes by the very broy world around it. So we're really glad to dive into this conversation with the two of you. And really, we always like to start our episodes just hearing more about your stories. So since we have two of you on. Nicole and I would love to know just how you two connected over this passion for women in biohacking, educating women more about it, and kind of what led you to heading up this conference.
2: Or she, you want me to start? I mean, I feel like we were like pandemic, like we met during the pandemic, uh, which I feel like is so many people's stories. I will admittedly, like I had a girl crush on, Orshi. like, (laughs) I was following her. I was like, who is this biohacker chick? She was posting such amazing content. And it was, I mean, I can't remember exactly when or where we met, but we definitely connected virtually. And I like wanted to have her as a guest on my YouTube channel and a podcast guest. And once we just like kind of connected, I, I immediately sensed that we were both in alignment with where we were going in this space, um, which ultimately, and, you know, or she can definitely chime in, but like to help the masses and to do it from a place of like, truly, truly wanting to help people based on our own experiences that we've both gone through our own share of difficulties, ups and downs with our health, with our family's health. And I think... We have so greatly benefited from some of the modalities of this biohacking, Um, I say in quotes, uh, because I also feel that way about that term. But I I think together we saw an avenue in which we could help like-minded women as they're navigating through this very difficult plane.
3: Yeah, we definitely connect before we even thought about the Women's Biohacking Conference, I started following Katie because I found her YouTube channel and I, I just loved the content that she was putting out. And there was such a few female influencers in this space and there wasn't too many, it was kind of difficult to find mentors in the biohacking space for women because it was such a male dominated sphere. So when I found Katie, I was so excited. I'm actually the one who reached out to her on Instagram and we we became Instagram friends <laughs> and then it just sort of evolved from there. And then once um, I started the Women's Biohacking Conference last year, then Katie came on board as a co-host this year. So I'm really excited to have her as part of the event.
2: I kind of begged her to let me work on it down to go see her and I was like okay I really want to be part of this it to me it was like or she just like nailed it last year with the first one like I had been waiting for so long to see a woman-led biohacking conference and then or she did it all on her own and I was, I was in such admiration. And so I wanted to be part of it in any way, shape, or form behind the scenes. If you need me get you coffee, you know, whatever I could do. And it's turned into just this like really beautiful friendship with us now too, that's connected us on so many other levels.
1: That is such a great story. I love when things start with mutual girl crushes or fangirling on each other. And then you me and connect and realize there could be so much potential like each of you have your own thing that you could do individually but when you're able to come together and collaborate like that's when so much magic happens and i remember laura and i a year and a half ago met in sedona to discuss what the fem factor would even be what we didn't know what it was but we just knew it was something us to do together. And a huge part of this conversation was around biohacking. And both of us were like, why, what other term can we use? Because this hack is never used in a positive way, right? If someone's a hack, like a doctor or something, you're not going to go to them. Or if you hack into something, I think of like an ax or a machete. And it's like, why would we want to do that to our bodies? And so instead, we've just had so many deep conversations around like, elevating our biology and listening to our biology and finally we kind of settled on like bio elevation but you know who the fuck knows what bio elevation is and most people know what biohacking is but not everyone and so could you talk a little bit about like not just um, bringing this conference to life but also educating on what biohacking is in a way that is less like taking um machete to our biology and more like nurturing and using these tools to elevate what's already within us as women. Yeah. So I never
3: la- loved the term biohacking and it's a very masculine word. I often like to refer to it as health optimization, but that is such a generic term that I think when, when we say biohacking is just what people are familiar with. So that's why we ended up keeping the name of the conference as, as biohacking. But yeah, um, you know, it is really a practice of just using personalized or sort of science-based approaches to optimize different aspects of health, doing, you know, the N equal one experimentation, tracking data actively, um, modern, you know, experimenting with lifestyle modification, different technologies, nutritional interventions, anything to achieve peak physical and mental performance. And I think there's a very wide spectrum there. There's on one hand, people that have serious health challenges. And then there's also the other end of really high performers, athletes, you know, executives and people that really just want to get an extra 5% out of their performance. But I think a lot of us that go down this rabbit hole and journey of biohacking, go in there because we had peak health at some point in our life and we lost it in some capacity and we want to get it back. So I think at least my personal journey, so much of it has to do with trying to, I think anybody who ever had experience with fatigue or brain fog or just difficulties with, like, I remember how it felt to to, to be sharp. And then all of a sudden, now my brain is not working. I think you do anything and everything, you're almost willing to try anything to, to fix yourself. And when traditional medical approaches fail you, and, you know, there's not just a magic pill to fix things, then you, you start going down, you know, the rabbit hole of experimenting. And, and I think this is just a good way to encompass the whole idea of taking charge of your own health and and owning your your data on like tracking things, uh, realizing that you have to be in charge of your own health because no one else is going to fix it for
2: you. I would totally second everything that Orshi said, and especially as it pertains to this idea of um really taking full responsibility and control of what's going on with your biology, because without... Testing, you know, and I'm a huge advocate of at least getting some baseline metrics because we have so many devices. I mean, I am a product reviewer for living, so I have definitely experienced both the highs and lows of that kind of gratification, seeing what is actually happening with your sleep. You know, I talk to so many people who aren't at all in the biohacking space and they're like, I think I slept well. Uh, I don't know how I sleep. It's pretty shitty. And it's like, well, once you have, once you see, you can't unsee. And once you get some like baseline numbers on what is actually happening, do you have sleep apnea? Are you suffering from like REM sleep disorder? There's so, there's it's the world of sleep. And again, this is kind of my obsession, but the world of sleep is fascinating. And Once I started going down that rabbit hole, I realized just how much we have at our disposal now with technology to help us start to make small incremental changes. I am not here to change the world at large, right? I am here to be the gateway drug to someone starting to go down that rabbit hole to just do one small thing that's going to open your eyes to make you feel 1% better. Because I really feel at the end of the day, when if somebody were to present biohacking to me today, I'd be like, no fucking way. I I'm not gonna touch that. What is all this crazy stuff, right? I started very simply, like I took a nootropic once and I was like, Oh, hello, this is what it feels like to feel lit up. Right. And so that was the catalyst that then got me into all the other crazy things, the cryotherapy, the sauna, the, you know, um, neuromodulation, all these things, but it was just that one simple tool that got me from A to B. And that's what I'm here and that I know is really what we're hoping with Offering something at the conference is to show people a wide array of interests. And if they pick one thing and they get one thing out of it, and that changes the course of their life in some way, that's really what it's all about. The gateway drug we all didn't know we
0: needed, right? I love (laughs) that. (laughs) There's uh, both of you just said so many good things in there. Like, first, going back to what Orshi started with that concept of biohacking to help support yourself as you're moving through health issues versus biohacking for performance optimization. Those can look like two completely different toolboxes, right? Like I think back to my own biohacking journey, like when I was, when I was deep in it, healing from autoimmune issues, the things I did look very different than when I'm trying to like fine tune sleep and brain performance and like creativity, like they were not the same thing. So I think understanding that this this field this industry it is like you said a wide array of tools it's not that you have to go in and do everything at once i actually think you know when we look at health in general that's that's something that we try to do we're like i'm going to fix my sleep fix my diet work out lose weight i'm going to do this all in like 90 days <laughs> it's like instead like you can really only prioritize you know one of those things at a time that word priority it's, it's singular you can't have multiple priorities so maybe you're going through a season like you Katie where you're all in on sleep you're like i am going to optimize the crap out of my sleep and when i have that down next i'm going into maybe my nutrition or my metabolic health I, i'm that's where i'm at right now i got my little my little CGM on right now figuring out you got your again very different reactions to things at 35 than at you know, even 30 or younger. Um, but that's my focus right now because it's really difficult to try and jump back and forth between sleep and fitness and this or that and try and perfect all of them at once. And I think where biohacking can be really beautiful is you can choose one area, you can nourish it, strengthen it, cultivate it. Like Gardening just came, maybe bio gardening. Maybe we should call it bio gardening. We're- Love it. <laughs> I don't know. That came to my mind there. And so you know, the going back to like trying all these different products or the, the data piece, I, I think the data piece kind of freaks people out. Sometimes they get intimidated or they get a little too obsessed with it in the negative sense. Um, but really, like you said, how do you, how else do you know? Because if you, h- how many women and how many of you listening have been like, I'm doing everything right. My diet's right. I'm working out, I'm doing my meditation and I still don't feel good. And if you don't you know, if you don't want to leverage these tools, whether that is a continuous glucose monitor or an aura ring or some lab biomarkers to figure out like, oh, that perfect diet you thought you were eating, like that's not perfect for you. That's sending your blood sugar up 60 points and crashing down, which is why you feel like crap all day long. And you don't know until you measure it. So to me, it's, it's a really beautiful marriage of all of these modern day tech tools we have. And then going back to those basic principles of, How do I keep good blood sugar, get my energy good? How do I sleep? How do I get outside in the sun? how do I connect to other people? So it it doesn't have to be just the like super crazy biohacky stuff that you see out there. It can be the, it can be things that seem pretty basic, but allow you to really, really fine tune it.
2: Um, Yeah. It's funny. I, I feel like the one thing that I've learned and I've been doing a lot of the more fringe biohacking stuff or gosh, almost a decade now, which is crazy to think about, but I have found that I have evolved with my practices and it is so much more about the basics now. And I, I feel kind of embarrassed saying that because everyone, you know, when you're a product reviewer, they want to know like, what is the coolest piece of tech that I can buy? And I've come to learn that none of that matters if you don't have... Proper nutrition, if you don't get sunlight every day, if you're not grounding, if you're not taking time to recharge, you know, getting clean water, sleeping, right? Just the basic fundamentals that I think we sometimes take for granted. And on top of that, the most important thing for me is community. And I think we have seen this time and time again, even if you look at the blue zones and why people are living into their hundreds, they're surrounded by people. You know, the reason that I wanted to be a part of this space is because I was so seeking community um, to share with like-minded people. That's why Orshi and I decided that this was a great venture because it's bringing people together. And that is like the best biohack and it's free.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I wanted to second just working on the foundations first, foundational health. I think a lot of people want to start with the extreme things, but but yet they are still not sleeping or they are not—they are completely sedentary. A lot of the things that I have to remind myself as well, and I just started wearing my aura Ring again because I had to have a fitness tracker to track my own activity level because I became so sedentary sitting in front of the computer all the time. And I just had to remind myself that I have to move a certain amount every single day and if you don't track whatever you you you're not tracking you're not paying attention to and of course we don't want to get obsessed with things because that could you know also lead to some disordered behavior especially for women when we are uh, a little bit too obsessive about fitness or or even nutrition but but for short periods of time it's a really good reminder to just to keep you accountable like oh today I only taken 3000 steps (laughs) because I was sitting in front of my computer all day or in front of screens and okay maybe I should go out for an extra walk in the evening because my body needs that or I should get out every couple of hours and and move my body so um, I think what we what we don't track we don't pay attention to and then slowly they become part of our lifestyle they become part of our habit a morning routine evening routine and I think that's what it's about that over time we build we figure out what works for us and we build these effective short stacks of habits that it, what what our life becomes and because it's it's continuous work it's not something that you do for a short period of time and then you're done right so you you continuously have to work on your sleep your nutrition your your fitness and and all those things so so i think it's building those habits figuring out what works for you and doing it in a time efficient way fitting it into your own schedule and your lifestyle and then continue continuously optimizing that as you need it. But it doesn't have to be anything, anything super expensive or super uh, hardcore. It can be really just the
1: foundational. Those are the practices that make the biggest difference. Uh, a couple of things that between the two of you, there were so many things that I would love to. Do comment on and ask about but two two big ones one you know finding out what works for you going back to that n equals one bio individuality to really understand that you know we have to have the data like I'm a research scientist I know data and information is so important and I also know we live in a society and we've been in the society for millennia as women to like shove down any feelings that are coming out from our body and not listening to our body and not trusting our bodies and what i've found a lot with the uptick in trackers and wearables and biohacking is that a lot of people put all their faith in this one tracker or this one lab and yet they are completely cut off from what their body is telling them Or maybe they felt like they had the best sleep ever, but their Apple watch or ring or whatever they're wearing told them they had horrible sleep. And and they're like, but I really feel great. And it's like, well, maybe the tracker went off somehow, who knows. But so many people put so much of their entire value and and worth and you know everything they believe in in this technology and have ignored the most important technology which is our intuition our feeling um what you talked about or she like people get obsessed with certain things not realizing like what just too much at this time and to step back and get back to the foundations including like figuring out how to deepen into getting to know your own body more. So then you kind of have a a little direction. Maybe it is sleep. Maybe it is digestion. Maybe it is exercise, or maybe it is some hormone thing that needs to be taken care of as as opposed to just doing it all and then figuring out, well, maybe then you don't know a lot of times what it even was that was helpful because we're so scattered. Um, So I just want to say, I appreciate that. And then uh, Katie, you're mentioning about community. And I think these are the things that are getting left out of the, well, we're bringing them back in, hopefully, of the conversation around longevity, around aging well, around feeling well, around optimized health are things like community and purpose and pleasure and feeling good. Like these aren't frivolous and they shouldn't take a back seat to eating the kale and you know, the sauna and all of that, but that they're just as important. So I'm so appreciative of both of you mentioning those things.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that working with a lot of women on their health, one of the biggest differences I see between men and women is that that connection to yourself is like one of the most important pieces for women. And that's the first one to go. I think- women are very prone to anxiety and always being worried about the future and disconnect easily. I think women are caretakers. They tend to take care of everybody else before they take care of themselves. And when you start bringing in connection to yourself, getting into your heart space, feeling into your body, and then you bring self-care, like self-care practices back into your own life, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, when you start, it it could be an absolute game changer for women's health. And it's one of the biggest differences in that I see that is just so crucial for women. And, and I, I consider this one of those foundational things before you start wearing gadgets, before you start taking supplements that you need to start with that, just reconnecting to yourself, how do I feel? Um, and and as you said, doing things one thing at a time and again, asking yourself, how do I feel? How do I feel after I eat this food? How do I feel after this new practice that I just implemented? How do I feel in the morning when I wake up? Um, we are just so tuned out with people being on their phones and technology so much first thing in the morning. Like they don't even give themselves 10, 15 minutes in the morning before they look at their own phone and start getting distracted. So connecting to ourselves at least twice a day, like as part of your morning and evening routine could be just that one simple free activity could be a game changer for women.
2: Yeah. I also, um, I want to just comment and say that I think there there's definitely an author who wrote this and i it's on the tip of my tongue but um dopamine nation like that is very accurate when we describe where our society is going with the very short attention span and then this like hit which i have to say i felt so guilty of when i got started in the biohacking world because there were all these gadgets. And every time I'd open it up to check my score for X, Y, or Z, I get this like flood of dopamine, right? Like it's excitement. Like I hit the perfect score, right? I blah, blah, blah. And it got to the point where when you flood your system with so much dopamine, the high, the next high has to be higher and higher and higher. And then you, you you just crash, which is what happened to me. I literally went through a period. I think it was early last year where I took every gadget off and I just stopped biohacking. Like I took a period where I was like, I can't do this shit anymore because it's all I care about. It's I'm my obsession. And like, I have a very obsessive personality. And so it was being reflected in every single aspect of my life. And it became just suffocating, you know, when you become so reliant on technology to tell you how you should feel, that's where biohacking goes wrong. And yet, and I'm just going to like, commentary on the industry, there are so many health quote unquote influencers that are telling you that you have to have this gadget and to use their coupon code because they, and and, and then think about the sunk cost fallacy of like the membership subscriptions. Once you get enrolled in a certain device, then you have to keep paying monthly and monthly. And so over time, it's like, you are so locked into the system and you feel like there's no way to break free. And I, I had this and it it's, I finally, I think have turned the corner and I am having, I have a much, much healthier relationship with these trackers and devices now, but for a period of time, I was in that model. And I think my biggest suggestion for anyone who's listening that might have experienced it is to practice cycling, just like the seasons, just like our hormones and our our menstrual cycle, like the moon, like we are cyclic in nature. And I think it's a very important practice to be cyclical about your biohacking habits and these trackers, take them off every once in a while and just feel how you feel. And that is going to help you kind of tap better into your own intuition and understanding of who you are and what lights you up.
0: Yeah. And that just feels so good. Doesn't it cycling that like when you really think about like, to me, when I hear that, I'm like, Oh, that feels so good. Like and I, I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that you feel like you took it too far. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that too. So those of you listening, we are not perfect either. We've learned about what not to do through our own errors. And that's why we're guiding you on the right path. Um, I've been pretty open that in 2020, uh, probably just because there was nothing else to do during the pandemic, I like ketoed and fasted and biohacked my way right into like hair loss and other issues. Um, because I was doing the same things every day. I was definitely, I actually took all of last year off from any kind of wearable or tech, no tracking food, no CGMs, no Aura ring, nothing like that, really just reconnecting with my body. And that was like such a beautiful journey. So now similar to what you're doing, I can use tools like a CGM for a month or two to like, Oh, I wonder how things are going. Is there anything that I may need to like tweak but if you feel like you're dependent on it, you know, I've I've worked with some clients who are afraid of taking their aura ring off. Or if they don't wear their Apple Watch to the gym, they get upset. They're like, my workout didn't count. And like that to me, I'm like that. This is the sign that you need to not wear it for a while. If you, if you're actually getting upset and anxious and frustrated that your workout didn't count because it's not logged, like it, it still happened. Like you literally just did it. So sometimes we have to disconnect to reconnect in a, in a healthier way. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and yeah, you know the. I, I think that's something that's gonna be really cool about this conference that you guys are doing again this year too, is teaching women how to do this more cyclically, having a healthy relationship for it while fostering that community. Because I think when it comes to our health and self-care as women, first, it can be really scary to say, I don't feel as good, as I think I could, and I need help getting there. Because as Orshi mentioned earlier, we're the caretakers, we help other people. So to kind of stand there and say, I don't know what to do, I need help, can feel really uncomfortable. But when you're around a lot of other women who are like, I feel the same way, we just automatically feel at home. And it fosters so much more personal growth, so much more accountability in a healthy way that I think that's why women thrive reaching health goals in community settings versus, you know, I, men, I see a lot of them do it on their own. And I think that's just how they're wired, but women get really good results when they have accountability partners, when they have that support, when they have a coach for that reason. So I'm excited for women to come in, listen to your speakers, connect with other women who are doing this too, and kind of form this, this cool little community around it. Um, The last thing that you said that I really would love both of your thoughts on, it's something that Nicole and I have chatted about a lot. I'm super interested in it is we are cyclical beings as women. So when we look at, you know, let's just talk about some of the most common biohacking tools that women know, like fasting, saunas, cold plunges, things like that. Like I know I'm very interested and I don't see a ton of research on it yet. I'm sure it will come, but like do you think we need to do these things differently based on where we're at in terms of our hormone profile? Like we know things are constantly changing, the impacts that has on our physiology. Is it possible that doing like a cold plunge for five minutes every day of our cycle may not serve us? And instead we may need to look at like, what's the best window to get benefits from there? So I would love to know your guys' thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I
3: think uh, so much of it has to do with, that allostatic load on your body that that sh- I call it the stress bucket, you know, we each have one. And, and I think different phases of our life, we have a different capacity to, ha- to handle these hermetic stressors like fasting and sauna and cold plunges and so forth. Um, even things like really intense exercise. These are all very, very beneficial for our health in small doses depending on our ability to recover and depending on our ability to um how much capacity we have um i think it makes a big difference what stage of life you are in so if you are um you know somebody who's looking to get pregnant and looking working on fertility it's a very different like you probably shouldn't be fasting you know you have to be you know you like really should consider how hard, you know, what kind of hermetic stressors you're putting on your body at the same time. Uh, but if you are, um, you know, if, if you are in perimenopause, if you're in menopause, it's a very different, it, it could be a very different set of practices that work for you. And this is what's challenging with when, when women's health. And this is why we like to look at topics through the, woman, the lens of women's health is because it can look very different for somebody who's fifty-five. Um, like fasting could work really well for that woman, depending on on her health and and where she's she's in her her journey. And it could look very different for somebody who is thirty-five. So, so I think it's so individual. And if you're a cycling woman, then you have to consider your own cycle. And if you're in menopause, then that could be a very different situation to if you are already dealing with fatigue and autoimmune issues and a whole bunch of other things, you may only be able to tolerate these hermetic stressors in tiny, tiny doses, and maybe only one at a time and not definitely not all of them at once. So and I think this is why it's so important that you work with a practitioner that, that you're part of our group, as as you said, and and do things one
2: one thing at a time. So yeah. And I would definitely second that. I mean, I'm a 35 year old woman. I menstruate normally, but I didn't always. And I have learned that when I push my body to that extreme, I mean, at one point I was doing the HIT fasting. I was living with a man and he could do 24 hour fast, no problem. So I felt like I had to up my game. I was doing cold plunging every day, heat stress with sauna, like you name it. I was like, I wanted to be the best. And so I actually lost my period for a long period of time. And amenorrhea is a huge sign. Something is not working in the body. Your body is now going into reserves, fight or flight mode. Your cortisol is probably really high. And I was actually doing more damage than good to my body at that point. So we all learn right from our experiences and hopefully you can then reevaluate what you're doing, which is what I finally did. And I think one thing that was really helpful to me because I I was like, well, I feel like everyone's talking about this fasting. I should be doing intermittent fasting every day. And I started talking to some women in the space. And they're like, girl, you shouldn't be fasting more than 12 to 14 hours, especially when you're, you know, going through your menstrual cycle. Like your body needs fuel, feed it fuel. Like you should not be depriving yourself. And so I have taken a much, much more relaxed approach now of only integrating these things when I know I'm in the best shape and not overdoing anything. So yes, I, I love cold plunging. It was my favorite thing. It became an obsession. But then I went through a really, really difficult period of stress, of a breakup that was, you know, I was with somebody for 10 years. I mean, my whole life came crashing down. And going into that tub every day felt great, but it also hammered my cortisol level to the point where I like ended up doing a biological age test and I'm like 45 years old, which was 10 years older than I actually am. And I'm not saying that's like the truth, but I felt like my body had been through a lot more stress than necessary, you know, um and and that acute stress, which was, you know, can be detrimental. So again, if you're going through trauma, be kind to yourself, this is not the time to throw every biohack under the sun. Like if you're gonna do one thing, sleep. (laughs) Like I wish that I had done more of that when I was going through this period instead of all the other things that were then making it hard for me to sleep.
1: Yeah, and that just goes back to the wisdom of our body, right, your body stopped having its period, something that is necessary for optimal health. And yet here are all these things we're doing to optimize quote unquote health. And yet your body was sending you this huge high alert signal, like pay attention to me. This is not working alert, alert, alert. We need to live. And I think too, when, so I'm going through perimenopause right now, I'm 48 and I think when we're in our early thirties, late twenties, early thirties, doing all of these things. I mean, when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, biohacking, the words didn't exist, the tools did, but, um, but you don't think about how is what I'm doing now, like affecting my biology so much that I might not have a period or my stress, stressing my body out so much to have a certain look or physique or hit certain goals. You're not thinking about, oh my gosh, when I'm in my mid 40s and my cycle starts to fluctuate and like maybe my bone density isn't good because I was doing all these fucking crazy things 20, 15, 10 years ago. It's really like thinking about what is what am i setting myself up for and really bringing in the longevity piece because i think people bring in the longevity piece to biohacking and that like oh i'm going to live to 120 well yeah what about you know the 40 years before that <laughs> you know how am i going to support myself and how am i going to respect the changes that happen in my body at various times because we're so dynamic and that's another thing sometimes people get so dogmatic about whatever their thing is. And it's like, but I've been doing this for 10 years, but I've been eating this way for 10 years, or I've been exercising this way for 10 years and it's worked, or I've been doing this, whatever activity. And it, and you're like, yeah, but we're a different person. So let's see, maybe you need more animal protein. Maybe you need less and Like, who knows what it is, but being able to shift and navigate without beating ourselves up, being able to rest and sleep without being like, and Laura and I have had this conversation, like, how can, how can our rest be more productive? And it's like, wait a minute, stop right there. Just stop it. Like, how can your rest be more rest, you know? And so Ah, oh, just taking a breath, and I feel like so many of us, especially as highly driven women, are just like, Give me the list, let's go, let's get this done. And then we hit a certain wall, and we're like, Well, why? I don't know why. <laughs> For all of these signposts along the way, until you finally hit the fucking wall and you break down, and you're like, Okay, I guess. I'm not going to wear the trackers or I'm not going to do, I'm just going to sleep and eat things that feel nurturing and listen to things that feel good and surround myself with friends that like support myself. And I know I'm going off on a rant, but this is just, this is what I think. And I feel like what you're probably going to be bringing up in the conference is how do we use these biohacking tools without hacking up. Our soul to death, you know, and letting these tools really nurture us and support us so that we can have longevity in mind so that we can age well, not just like how we look, but how we feel. And so that when we are 95 or 100, we can really look back and say, these were the things that helped get me here and yeah, I just, sorry. Any thoughts? I love that.
2: I I think one thing that you can do is stop comparing yourself to men in the space. And I hate saying that out loud, but it's so true because you don't hear about guys going through this, do you? Like, I don't know any men that's been like, I've got to take all my trackers off. I had to stop doing the crazy stuff. Like, no more cold plunging. Like, no, they're like, bring it on, more, more, more. And so I think there is, like, especially if you are a highly driven, like, type A woman. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. but I know that we're all in that camp. You want to be the best. You want to outperform everybody. And then it becomes like this. It's a slip slope, because then it becomes this like competition. And when you start to look at how men react in the space and how men tolerate certain things, their body composition is so different from ours. And so I think it's it, again, it comes back to just understanding your own physiology and biology as a woman, remembering that you are designed to give life, whether or not you're going to have a child, that doesn't matter. Your body is designed to do that. And I think we very very often forget that and we push ourselves to this point of no return and if we could all just come back to what we've been saying the whole time it's like trust your instinct your gut about who you are and what things feel like and stop the comparison with all the guys in the space i mean that that was the biggest lesson i've had to take away from it and in shutting that out i've been able to free myself from all of that
3: yeah one more thing I wanted to mention is that I'm in my I'm in my 50s and what I see with a lot of women that are kind of like my generation and even a little bit younger is that we've been completely disconnected from our our menstrual cycle and period during our entire adult life because because a lot of women are either on the pill or some sort of hormonal birth control and a lot of them for like a decade or longer sometimes don't even have periods. Um, and so when you're sort of your whole system is taken offline for such a long period of time, you are not tuned into that natural cycle that we were talking about that is so essential for women. So we are just not tuned into our body at all. And I have to say that, well, there's a lot of negative aspects to technology. There's also really good aspects and beneficial aspects. And I I really appreciate the new apps that are now available for women to track their cycles in, in natural ways where they, they have natural, healthy ways to practice birth control and fertility where we don't have to be put on this sort of messing with our hormones through, you know, artificial means. And I think that could be such a huge generation for younger women right now that are just getting their cycles and 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 understand that it's not something icky that we just don't talk about and we don't discuss and it's just something you have to get through for once a month and no one should know and and I think women are starting to understand that it's something to be embraced it's something that is a part of our natural life as a woman and something that we can flow with and It it becomes part of your own health optimization journey to figure out your, to sync with your own rhythm and figure out what to do when during your cycle. And I think that is sort of the part of the magic of being a woman and and stepping into your most powerful self as a female, right? And I feel a lot of that I sort of missed out on when I was in my twenties and thirties. And even, you know, when I was going through perimenopause, and I wish I would have had that opportunity. So now the younger women that are you know still in their 20s or you know now stepping into sort of adulthood, I just really encourage them that explore like technology in this area of how can we do things in a natural way and still have family planning and all the good things that come from having control over our fertility.
0: Such a good point. We could do a whole nother episode on that topic alone, I'm sure. But you're right. The younger, younger generations of women now, I think will have a just completely different experience of understanding their body, viewing periods and their cycles as something amazing and incredible versus a nuisance. And we'll just end up having a completely different experience through Fertility journeys, perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. So it it really is kind of cool. I feel like there's a big shift in that happening as we speak. And it's kind of like a cool moment in time to be like, wow, okay, these teenage girls are going to have a totally different experience than their, their moms or their grandmas had. So such a, such a cool, a cool time to be a woman in some regards like that. Um I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about your guys' upcoming conference. So it's happening soon, September 14th to 16th. Uh, Would either of you love to share just a little bit more about the types of content that listeners can expect? We'll make sure that we put registration links in our show notes for everyone, but just give us a little behind the curtain view, if you will.
2: Well, or she is the host, so I'm going (laughs) to pass the baton over to her.
0: (laughs) Yeah so we we
3: just basically aim to spotlight health optimization topics through the lens of women's health and also address sort of crucial female specific subjects that are frequently disregarded in, in our conference so we are looking at all the standard sort of health optimization everything from how to improve your energy capacity how to optimize your metabolic health Um, how do we improve your sexual and hormonal balance, uh, longevity, um, you know, even looking at beauty and skin, skin skincare and thing topics that are tend to be important for women. So we, we sort of looking at all aspects of health optimization, but we always ask the question that how is this different
0: for women? Yeah, that's going to be such a great event. Uh, three days, just jam-packed, full of incredible conversations. I know I'm really excited to lo- to listen into to some of the other speakers on it when I saw all the, the topics that are coming up. I spy some of our past and former and current get- and uh, future guests on that list. So I'm really excited to nerd out about it um,
1: a little and of bit course, more.
3: Of course, Dr. Laura is going to be one of our speakers, so uh, definitely Tune in to listen to her amazing interview as well.
1: Do you think you'll ever bring the, I know the conference I want to mention, it's virtual because I don't think we've mentioned that, but um, do you feel like this could evolve into in-person or do you feel like you want to keep it to virtual or maybe some sort of like hybrid approach at some point? I want it to be (laughs) in-person. It's a huge undertaking. Like
2: Orshi and I both work full time jobs, and we're doing this volunteering basically. And it's so much work on the back end just to do a virtual. I can't even. Imma- We'd need a whole team, um, and right now it's pretty much just us. So yeah, it's it is. Not easy to put together a massive conference. I have so much admiration, and respect for people that pull it off flawlessly. It's tough. So the question, or the answer to that question, is yes. But we're it. it you know, we'll just have to kind of see where things end up in the next few years, and um, you know how we can grow strategically so that we don't burn ourselves out. <laughs> yeah, what a novel concept! I
0: know, you know right? making sure you don't <laughs> sacrifice your own health. To to do these things (laughs) precisely.
1: What you preach. Well, we are um, really excited to see this. I mean, I know you'd had it last year, but it still seems pretty ground level and groundbreaking. Um, And so to see how everything evolves and grows and expands, and having you both and all the women that you're bringing in to really shift this paradigm around what biohacking is, around how we can use it as women who want to optimize but don't want to hack. Um, So we're just really excited for this whole thing. Um, One question we love to ask, and since there's two of you, we'd love for both of you to um, chime in, is if you had any advice to give to Younger Katie, younger Orshi, and this could be younger, you know, 30 years ago or younger two weeks ago, whatever past version of yourself, what would that advice or wisdom be?
2: Um. Oh my gosh, I have so many things I would tell my younger self. I think the one like, big overarching theme um, in my life has been This struggle with perfectionism in every way, wanting to be perfect in school, wanting to have a perfect body, wanting to have the perfect relationship, just this type A mentality that has plagued me and has caused me so much stress to the point that I did actually have to address the root cause of stress in my life. And it is what ultimately led me in down the the biohacking path so that was good. But if only I had been a little bit easier on myself throughout those years, I would have enjoyed life a lot more because I was acting like an adult when I was ten. and I wish I had actually enjoyed some of my childhood and taken I, I took so many things, you know, for granted because I just figured I needed to rush to the end. Well, life is not a race or it's you know, it's really a marathon, and you you're constantly learning and evolving. So, To my younger self, Katie, be easier and more patient on yourself because you will learn the life lessons when you need to learn them and you don't have to rush through them.
3: Yeah, I love that wisdom. Uh, It it is so surprising how many of us in this space are struggling with perfectionism. I know I have had those struggles myself and still do to some degree, although not quite as much as as I have i was struggling with it in my 30s and 40s that absolutely that i think love our self and our body the way it is um because it it is beautiful the way it is it doesn't have to be changed and uh tweaked and modified so much and you don't have to look a certain way and it doesn't like i, I think the the little bit of wisdom of aging when you look back at pictures of yourself in your 20s and 30s and like oh my god i looked amazing <laughs> and now at the time we all feel insecure and and feel and don't feel good about ourselves so i think may, maybe exactly what we were talking about connecting to i wish i would have had more a connection to myself when i was younger um, I went through this like spiritual journey in my, in my forties, where I think I gained a lot more, uh, connect kind of heart opening and connection to myself, but, but not until I reached sort of my mid forties. And I wish I would have had that journey sooner in life because I, I think I could have really benefited me. Um, yeah, there's so much, so I'm going to
0: live it at that. Oh, such good, such good advice all around, uh, love ourselves, maybe not take ourselves too seriously and play, enjoy the moment. So Katie Orshi, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Nicole and I both loved this conversation. Nicole, I'm just speaking for you because I'm assuming you did. Um, we will make sure that everyone gets links to join the incredible upcoming conference. I hope all of you listening will join us there. And uh, yeah, just thanks so much for for spending your time with us today. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much.
1: This podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It should not be considered medical advice and or treatment. Although we are both doctors, we are not medical doctors or your medical doctor. What has been discussed should not take the place of your personal medical professional's advice, treatment, diagnosis, or care. If you love this podcast as much as we do, please take the time to subscribe, share,
0: rate, and review. And we'd love if you would follow us over on Instagram. Our handles are at dr.lauradecesoris and at Dr. Nicole Marcioni, Or you can just click on the links in our show notes.